not gonna lie, I'm kind of speechless, kind of frustrated, kind of like, what the fuck, man? Like, pardon my language, but WT to the F is going on with the Phoenix Suns. They are now four and six. They lose tonight at home to the Oklahoma City Thunder by a final score of 111 to 99. Couldn't even get to 100 points. Why? Well, because the Suns, once again, shit the bed in the fourth quarter, scoring 13 points, going 2 of 21 from the field. And while they had a lead entering the fourth, they leave with another loss. Welcome to Suns Basketball. Welcome to the Suns Jam Session Podcast, a therapy session of sorts after we sit and we wonder what the hell is going on with the Phoenix Suns. Matthew's at the game. He might pop in, but I have the honor, the pleasure, dare I say, of welcoming from the Aussie Suns fans podcast. Give it up for Gavin. How's it going, man? How you feeling? Uh, I'm extremely frustrated. <laughs> um, I think that's the only way, or, or the best way to describe what happened today. Uh, it was a very, very frustrating day. Yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting podcast as we try to go through the highs, the lows, the positives, the negatives, knowing that we're going to end up uh, talking primarily about the negatives and the trends that we're seeing because we're 10 games into the season now. And you do have a small sample size, but it is a sample size of trends that are occurring within the Phoenix Suns and things that need to be corrected and things that haven't been corrected, even though they've been uh, identified, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. It's... um. The, the problem is that it's, I guess, the most frustrating thing. And, you know, me, John, I'm pretty positive. I always look at let's wait 15, 20 games. That's mm-hmm. when you really find out who your team is. Um, we are without book. We have been without Bill. But the issues are the same every single game. And that is where the concern lies right now. I completely agree. So we'll get into that. We'll get into all the fun stuff that the Suns Jam Session brings. Reminder, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're consuming this content. Remember, I didn't lose the game. Shit. I showed up for the fourth quarter. I was there the entire time. I probably could have made one of those shots. Hell. Uh, but make sure that you give us a thumbs up if you're watching this content. And Gavin, tell them where they can can watch you guys. Yeah, Aussie Suns fans, obviously, on YouTube. And uh, follow us there on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. I tend to refuse to call it that, but even though I just did. Um, uh, yeah, come check us out. We have uh, we had our pod last night and had a heck of a lot of fun. And it's a little bit different layout to everybody else's pods. But I think if you come in and watch it, you'll enjoy it. I will say that my favorite thing about the Aussie Suns fan podcast is it's kind of – it's just like the safe haven – of place to go and talk about the suns where you can, you can just throw your takes out there, whether they're good, whether they're bad, dare I say, if they're indifferent, you can just go there and you can have a good time. And uh, you have some great gimmicks that you will, or segments that you have on the show that I absolutely love. And there's going to be a lot of flogging tonight. I feel like uh, having to deal with the Phoenix suns and kind of Frank Vogel and and the, the way that they are coaching in that fourth quarter, but we'll get to all that. Make sure if you have something to drink that you're popping it open, I'm just going to go with the Diet Dr. Pepper this time. I'm not even going to. I should be boozing. But I typically find that when my heart hurts and I'm frustrated and or depressed, I don't turn to the booze. I turn to the Diet Dr. Pepper. So pop them if you got them, Suns fans. And let's talk about this loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder.
Four and six are the Phoenix Suns now as they lose again. This homestand has turned into a homestand of a losing streak, uh, which brings me to my first question. Oi, Matty. Mate, I've got to ask. Gavin, I got to ask, what the fuck is going on in the fourth quarters, man? Come on, Dr. Um, Gavin, what is your diagnosis? Before I do answer that, the, I'm very disappointed that you ruined your show by using Boyd's voice um, <laughs> as a voiceover for this this piece. Um, you know, you couldn't have ruined it any more for me, could you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Boyd's got like, surprisingly, okay, he might be a carny at times, but he's got like a really good voice for voiceovers. He's, I highly recommend that you a, guys use it. He's if you got get a, him to um, say something nice. He's certainly got an Aussie voice, let's be honest. He's he's got that covered off uh, really, really well. But um, last quarters, I guess for me, it's the challenge is what I'm seeing is it's the same movie every last quarter. It's it's we're we're following the definition of insanity at the moment. We're doing the same things and expecting a different result, and there's just no change up to what we do in the last quarter when it gets tight. We go into ISO ball. And it doesn't matter. It could be any of, of those players in, in an ISO ball. We stop running plays. We stop moving. We stop moving the ball. Um, all, all we end up doing is ISO with a really contested shot, shot off doubles. And, um, again, it's just the same movie. Yeah, it's a, a complete lack of adjustment. I, I feel like there was a little bit of an adjustment in this game because you had Kevin Durant at the front end of the fourth quarter to kind of change things up. Because what we've seen prior to this game is a team that is just discombobulated, has no true playmaker, and that's where the point guard conversation always comes in, and or the fact that we're miss- we're missing uh, Devin Booker. But prior to this game, we were 30th in points at 22.8. That's going to go down because we only scored 13 in this one. We were 29th in assists with 4.7, 30th in turn- turnovers. 28th in field goal percentage. That's going to go down. We shot two of 21 from the field in this. 27th in three-point percentage. 28th in free throws. 29th in point differential. 30th in offensive rating. 13th in defensive rating. The statistics entering this fourth quarter, and I I tweeted out during the game, I'm like, listen, all we got to do is like score points in the fourth quarter, and we got this. Rebound and score points. I know it sounds dumb, and it's like, like you said, it's like watching, it's not even watching the same movie, Gav. It's watching the same bad movie, like <laughs> the, the, the movie. first Mad Max, just over and over and over again. You're like, from a cinematography standpoint, this is just a bad movie. And there's no adjustment to it. As you mentioned, we're seeing a lot of isolation basketball where if KD is out there with Bradley Beal, it's your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Because the people that are out there on the court, you have a Kogi, you have Nurkic, you have guys who are out there because you want to have some semblance, some semblance of rebounding in Nurkic and hustle and defense in a Kogi, but they can't shoot and they're not moving. So if you even try to, yeah, I mean, we saw it in the last game, we saw it again in this one where it's like when Katie has the ball, they can throw doubles at him because a Kogi's not going to do anything and nobody's going to do anything. And I, I don't know what the fix is. I'll, I'll ask you this. Is the fix as easy as just having Devin Booker back? Yeah, I think it is. Um, because that changes it. It changes it from a your turn, my turn. 
And the the big thing is that you if you've got book KD and Beal all on the floor in that setting, that where there's a little bit more trust at the moment, they can almost go, okay, all five just defend KD and Beal. We don't have to worry about the other three because then that's just not going to matter. And we've seen KBD again in the corner. If you throw book into that mix, they they can't do that. Um, somebody's still going to have to get ISO one on one. And we're going, we know that Devin Booker, I don't know what it is, and I don't know whether you see this, but Devin Booker's ability to rise above a defender and take that shot is so much smoother than Book and uh, than Beal and KD. Mm-hmm. They seem to be more fall away type under pressure shots, where Book just does that vertical <laughs> leap above a defender's hands, and, and, and it just looks smooth. It looks like a shot that's going to go in. And if he gets a bit of momentum in the in in early in last quarters in particular, um, that's going to start to open up Book and uh, keep saying that. It's going to start to open up KD and Bill for those shots as well. So it, is it going to be the total fix? No, I don't think it'll be the total fix, but it's going to be a significant change to the way we play basketball in last quarters. And we've already seen that when Book has been playing in those last quarters. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if it's the full fix because, again, obviously the the front end of this season, the first 30 games of this season is purely a team that's going to try to develop chemistry. And we all know how important chemistry is because that's what got this team to the NBA Finals a couple seasons ago. We see what a team like the Clippers has where they don't have chemistry. They can't win a game. The Suns don't have chemistry. We don't we can't win a game. And you bring Devin Booker in there, and yes, you have somebody who can score, who has the confidence to score, has the, you know, as, as you've noted, just a different type of way to score and put pressure on the opposition. But I'm still worried that because of that lack of chemistry, it, it might not be successful. And go for we it. Still, we still have time to develop that chemistry over the course of the year, which is which is great. But obviously, we've got to have them all on the floor. But it's not just, and I've seen somebody say, if Book comes back, the other two still have to do their job. If we look at the game, let's, let's go back to the Warriors game for an example. Book wasn't only able to hit those shots, but he was able to set up players out. So Nurk was dangerous as heck, all heck in the, at the end of that game because Book knew when to hit him and, and, and put it in a position where it's dangerous where these guys don't, and Nurk is standing flat-footed. Yeah, and everyone's standing in the uh, in the corner. Just again, no ball movement, no no off-ball movement. Just literally standing and watching KD, who ends up going one of seven from the floor. Bradley Beal goes one of five. I mean, we went two of twenty-one. Those two shots were made by KD and Beal, but they combined were two of twelve. So I mean, it's just their inability to take shots or make shots it comes from the fact that the difficulty of the shots is increased because nobody is penetrating, popping, everything just stops. And it's the craziest thing. Cause that's what makes this team good through the first three quarters. We've seen it in multiple games where you're sitting there and you're watching, you're like, this is a fun team to watch. They move the ball. They're hitting the, they're good. They're inside. They're outside. They're cutting and everything just stops in the fourth. And again, the frustrating thing and, and the reason why I'm down and I'm sad and I'm like, even Booker coming back can't fix it at this point is because I'm just seeing the same shitty movie over and over again. And I'm frustrated that Frank Vogel hasn't really addressed it. It feels like, you know, again, Frank Vogel's known as a defensive coach. 
he's relying on Fisdale and Kevin Young to perhaps add some semblance of offense in that fourth quarter. But the defense ain't been great either, man. 31 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder in the fourth quarter is not great defense either. So these offensive schemes, these defensive schemes, nothing. It's like you're plugging in a USB into a computer and it's still just loading. And we're like, come on, load already. Like I need this, I need this, this offense and defense needs to start. And I get it. And I can understand if you think that this is early in the season and there's a plenty of time. Cause you're right. I mean, 10 games in, there's still what 72 games to play. Games. So, so there's still a long, long time, but that doesn't mean that we, we should be denied the frustration that we're feeling in this moment, because that's, that's my reality. That's my truth. Gavin. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I sound like I such a millennial. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all. We every every Suns fan has the right to feel pretty frustrated at the moment with with the way that it's all coming together. And like you said, it's not just offense. This big defensive scheme. Well, I've seen some significant defensive breakdowns that we haven't seen since pre bubble, where yeah. the, the the entire the entire team shifts and leaves the key open, and somebody just strolls in and gets an easy cut. That shouldn't be happening. Or vice versa. Everybody converges on the key and we're leaving shooters wide open like we did in the L.A. game and again tonight a couple times where it's just like, yeah. oh, SGA is going to come down the middle. Let's all converge. He dishes it out. Now it's like you're they're getting free shots uh, from beyond the arc and, you know, Chet Holgram's hitting threes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we didn't close out well. We didn't have coverage. And and look, it's. It's got to be frustrating for Suns fans because it's frustrating for us, right? We mm-hmm. we said it at the top of the show. It's we're both frustrated. While I think there's there's ways that we can fix it, that's still no excuse for the performance today. So obviously, if you hang out on the Twitter, you'll see that everybody has their version of what a solution should be. It's fire Vogel. Where I mean, we're already hearing that. It's you know trade for a point guard. We're already hearing that. What do you think the solution should be and what do you think will actually occur? I still think that the the team's going to be willing to sit back and wait to see how this plays out leading up to or including the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I can't see the I, I, I still can't see how we'd panic too much. Again, it's 10 games. And I still do believe that the best um, distributor, and I know that the, the all the talk was about Bill playing point guard, but the best point guard we have on the roster right now is Devin Booker, um, and and it's going to look completely different when Devin Booker's out there controlling the ball. So I I still feel like, and if you watch his warm up videos and everything like that over the last couple of games, I think he plays against many with a three day. We've got a three day break before that game, um. And that's going to be our first time with all of those three guys on the floor. Well, I didn't see KD or uh, or Bill get hurt today, so let's let's <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> let's knock on wood and and hope Book returns against Minnesota, and we finally get to see how that plays out. Yeah, the solution is obviously bring back Devin Booker. Uh, in the long term, I mean, that's the short term solution because there's not a lot of things you can do until I believe uh, we're like a month out from December 15th when you can start to explore potentially trading some contracts if need be. I think that the trade deadline will be very interesting for the Suns and where we are at that time because, yes, if we need a point guard, if that's truly what this issue is, and I've seen people say that 
it's the fact that we don't have a point guard. I think that is a contributing factor. Again, it's somebody who we're used to that floor general. We've had Chris Paul for the past three years. The year before that, we had Ricky Rubio. So for nearly half a decade, we have had a floor general who can navigate an offense in the fourth quarter. And this year, our best playmaker has only played two games. It's kind of crazy to think that Bradley Beals actually played more games than Devin Booker, by the way. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, but our best playmaker slash floor general has been out for the majority of the games. He's been out for eight. And we don't know yet until we see this team in its totality if that is literally what just the, the key to the fourth quarter is like Devin Booker's in there. We don't go two of 21 from the field and we beat teams. Or if it yeah. is like, Hey, we need a legit point guard uh, come trade deadline due to the fact that we have assets like Nurkic, which I don't think we'd go that far, but like a Grayson Allen, uh, like a Nasir little, I mean, those are contracts that are yeah. mo- definitely right. movable and you can get something back in return. And if anybody has watched the Phoenix Sun since February, since Matt Ishbia showed up in town, know that he's not a, afraid to empower James Jones to make those decisions and turn this roster to where it needs to be. As frustrated as we both are, I think we can both agree the fire Vogel or trade somebody as 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 fast as you can or just it's too soon for that because one, yeah. you don't you don't do that to Vogel, and two, we literally can't yet. Yeah. And look, I, I hear the point guard argument. We spoke about this on our pod again last night as well. Now, the big one that the big one I've seen multiple times is a little Nasir little trade for and a pick maybe for TJ McConnell or what whatever the what but the the biggest narrative at the moment is screaming, we need a point guard, we need a point guard. That's great, but are we going to uh, with a Nasir Little trade with a pick, are we going to get a point guard that's going to start in this team? No, we're not. The only thing we're getting is a backup point guard. Yes. Now, uh, Jordan Goodwin hasn't been great this year, but he was good today mm-hmm. in that backup point guard role. Um, what are we bringing in that's better than Jordan Goodwin as a backup point guard? Because the the starting the starting guards, Beal, Book, Durant, no matter what people want to scream, and I see in the chat people are saying Beal's overrated and blah, blah. I'm sorry, but that's that's not going to change. Those three guys are not going to change. And Bradley Beal has not played a heck of a lot of basketball. He's starting to get some continuity. And I thought today you could see that the guy was now starting to find his shot. And you bring Book back in as well, it's going to be much, much better. Do I think that Bradley Beal should be handling the ball and being our playmaker? Hell no. I still don't think he's that good in that role. I never did. Mm-hmm. But we sure as we sure as hell have a guy who is. Yeah, he's our two guard. When everything's set yeah. and everything's right, Bradley Beal is a pure two guard. And he isn't playing in that capacity right now because of Booker's injury. And and you mentioned, you know, Jordan Goodwin. He's been playing very well and or he's been playing sporadically, but he had a good night tonight, like every member of the Suns, until the fourth quarter. And that's just kind of again the and, and Andy Johnson said it on the broadcast, and he goes, you know, at least this is an issue where it's just the fourth and it's not the entire game. And I know that that's some silver lining shit, but it is true where if this is a team that comes yep. out and just is getting beat. Like, do you remember last year? The biggest challenge that the Suns had is they get boat raced in the first quarter and they spent the entire mm-hmm. game trying to fight back. And that's where a lot of our frustrations lied. A, a team that ended up going, what, like 45 and 37 
the reason that happened is because they would come out unprepared. So I, I'm happy that they are not that version because that's just at least for this we're getting three quarters of happiness and then one quarter of pissed off versus like <laughs> one quarter of like what the fuck just happened. And then we're like the whole game we're just like well we're just we're spending too much energy trying to get back, man. And that that was the thing I reckon last year we had I couldn't most of those losses probably even we we would have had in double figures first quarters that were less than 15 points. Yeah, and getting un- blown away. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, we'll take a look at some of the performances tonight because if you didn't watch the game, that's what we're here to do. Let's start off with Mr. Beal. She said you're not the only one, but you're the best Bradley. Boom, boom. I know I soon will have all of these drops with, you know, for those who watch the show, with Phoenix Suns highlights, okay? It takes time. I have to scour the internet. I don't have the same time I did over the summer to make all these things, but I will. But Bradley Beal tonight did end up playing a total of 30 minutes in his third game back from the back injury. Didn't make a three-pointer. He was 0 of 5 from beyond the arc. He had 15 points. He had eight rebounds, five of six, six of 18 from the field. What were your thoughts on Bradley Beal and how he performed tonight, Gav? Uh, Look, like everybody else on the Suns, I thought for three quarters he was really, really good. Um, He he filled his role. He... He controlled the ball. He defensively, he, he's probably got a little bit of a gap that he needs to fill, and I, I just think he's filling that out. Um, but he looked dangerous. Uh, I think a lot of what he did on offense was, he, he, as I said before, I really think he was starting to find his shot. He looked at yes tonight. Tonight, more than any other game, he looked comfortable in a Suns uniform, not trying to force his way through it. Um, but Again, in the last quarter, he fell down like everybody else did. Yeah, I agree with you on him finding his shot. You're starting to see, at least from my perspective, the first couple games of Bradley Beal, uh, he would attack the interior because he's trying to get comfortable in that capacity, and he would just shoot threes. In this game, he was he was doing some of the mid-range stuff. He was doing the floaters. He was uh, willing to attack and still take the threes. Obviously, he wasn't hitting everything, but he started a little bit, look a little bit more fluid in the game and fluid within the offense again, minus the fourth quarter, right? Like that's going to be literally like minus the fourth quarter is what we'll say with like every person that we talk about tonight. Uh, but I liked what I saw from Bradley Beal. And I'm excited to have him on the team. I, I really am. Despite a bad shooting night percentage wise, you know, when you go six of 18 from the field, you know, 33% of your shots are going in. It's not a great shooting night. Uh, but it's the type of shots and and, the, and where he's getting to on the floor and the pressure and the gravity that he brings because that's what opens up the rest of his teammates. Uh, he got to the free throw line a few times. He did miss some free throws as well because he did. You know, yeah. you know, it, it's it's the rust factor with him, and we're starting to see a little bit more of uh, him get into the flow of the game. The challenge with Bradley Beal is the turnover. Uh, you know, the five turnovers tonight. And much, much akin to just the the Suns overall, you know, this is a team that if they can hold on to the ball, they'd be so much better. I mean, they had 17 turnovers, which led to 18 points tonight. And the Thunder only had nine turnovers, which only led to five Suns points. Bradley Beal was a major culprit when it came to turnovers tonight because both he and uh, Kevin Durant throughout the season, not so much in this game, but throughout the season, because they are being asked to handle the ball so much and all those double teams are being thrown out of them and every defender shading their way, 
and everybody is swatting at the ball, they're having a hard time with it. Couple that with the fact that there's just no chemistry or fluidity on offense in its totality. And this is kind of the result that you get. I can't wait till we have a game where like, we're like the thunder and we only turn the ball over nine times. Like, fuck man. I think we're all waiting for that at the moment because as you said, since game one, our, our ball protections just been horrible. And, I think the more frustrating thing is the turnovers are just so woefully bad. Some of them, yes, um, they're, they're not. They're not because the defense is right up in someone's face. We are passing a base. We're we're trying to pass a base, putting no pace on the ball and effectively lobbing it up for somebody to cut it off and take it over, or just passing directly over someone's head out of court. It's or it's as they're dribbling, just like just like losing their handle off the foot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's. Like like numerous times we saw that, and Beal did that. Both him, Beal and Durant have been doing that a lot this season. Where it's just like, whoa, man! Like, did somebody turn the handles like way down on the two K sliders because they are <laughs> they are not looking great right now? You know, so there, there's pros and cons to take from this from Bradley Beal. And again, I, I go back to the fact that this is really his third game back, and this this opponent uh, with Lou Dort, with uh, Jalen Williams, you know, with SGA, these are, this is a team that isn't going to beat you up on the interior. Obviously, this is a team that makes their living on having really good guards and pesky defending guards. And they put the pressure on both Beal and Kevin Durant throughout this game. And I thought that Bradley Beal, given the fact that it's his third game back, handled it as well as he could. Again, outside of the fourth quarter. <laughs> outside of the fourth oh, quarter. Oh. Oh, by the way, well, you did touch on turnovers too. Hey, uh, I, I know that everyone on the Suns roster does watch Suns Jam. Who doesn't? Um, I know, right? Big guys, Drew, um, Yusuf, when you do get the ball in the post and you're looking to turn and pass to a cutter on baseline, put the ball above your head. Yeah, don't hold it by your dick. Like, it's not a good yeah. strategy. Yeah. You know, yeah. this isn't you're, – you're, you're not playing dick in the ball. You know, step one, cut a hole in the ball. <laughs> step two, put your junk dick in the ball. Step three, open the ball. Like, hold, like you're 100% right, though. Uh, th I think that's a good transition into Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic watch. Yusuf Nurkic tonight, 26 minutes, only one of six from the field. Three points. Three points. Eight rebounds, one assist, two steals, two turnovers. Uh, o of three from beyond the arc. You know, I, I talk about it kind of with regularity. You get some good Nurkic games, you get some bad ones. I thought this would be a good one for him because of his size and because Chet Holgram, although he is long, he doesn't have a lot of girth to him. And Nurkic just kind of out, out of control in this one. He is very problematic as a post player. We're... Both you and I, Gav, we're dealing with some trauma. Okay. We just came off of five years of DeAndre Ayton. Okay. And when we go to our therapist and we talk about basketball, we talk about what a center is and we talk about their ability to operate in the post, we know that DeAndre Ayton, that's not where he, sh he was uh, advantageous either. He would fade away. He'd fade, you know, uh, away from the defender. He would throw weird hook shots. He would do anything he could not to be a post player. Nurkic tries to post people up. He backs down, backs down, and then he just throws up wild shit. Like when you see Drew Eubanks come in, you're like, oh shit, that's what a technically sound uh, post player should look like. But Nurkic in the post, not good. Nurkic shooting threes, not good. 
Nurkic rebounding the ball and then trying to go back up with it, but bringing the ball down next to his dick and letting people try to swat at it, not good. That's my observations of tonight. What did you see, Gaff? Um, no, that's a that's a pretty good description. Pretty apt, I would have thought. Um, look, I think we saw it against Wemby, and it, we it was backed up against Chet tonight. Drew Eubanks is a is a much better matchup for those these type of guys. Yeah. Now, um, Nurk, I, I would have liked to have seen Nurk on offense be a little bit more aggressive um, in, in that matchup. But, I mean, you've got the size and you've got – there was a couple of times, I think Chet got him a couple of times on blocks. He had to just bump in and he didn't do it. He was he was trying a little bit of finesse. But is the center position – and this, this was one of the questions that came up for the game for me um, – is the center position another one like the fifth starter – position where we should be looking at what the matchup is on who starts out of Eubanks and Nurkic because I think these slow these smaller small or more slender type centers that spread the floor a little bit um are potentially not post bangers there are it seems like Eubanks is a much better matchup on both ends of the floor against those guys because Eubanks really took Chet to the cleaners on offense as well um a number of times are they a better matcher? Is is it should we be starting Eubanks against centers like these two? Um, and starting Nurkic against your Jokic and your Embiid. With and they are centers that suit Nurkic. Yeah, in a slower, matchup. slower centers for sure. It's a valid question. Big crank Eubanks. Crank that soul. Now I mean you crank that soul. Now I mean you crank that soul. Now I mean you crank that soul. Drew Eubanks has created this, and this is a good thing. The fact that Drew Eubanks, as you mentioned, when we play guys who are a little bit more slender, a little bit more athletic, okay, the Eubanks potentially, based on the way that he's played thus far this season, is kind of playing himself into into a position where it's like maybe he's, you know, maybe just for ego purposes, you have Nurkic start, but Eubanks gets the majority of the minutes. You know, Nurk had 26 in this one. Eubanks had 21. Okay, Nurk, like I said, one of six from the field, three points. Eubanks, seven of nine from the field, 15 points. He had four dunks in this game. He He's playing his, himself into a position to where it's like, listen, the majority of the minutes are going to have to go to this guy. And then when the, the backup comes in, whoever's backing up uh, uh, Wemby or whoever's backing up Chet Holmgren. Those are the guys in which you have to kind of do the substitution patterns to mirror. It's a valid question. Sounds like a great piece to write for Bright Side of the Sun now that I think about it. I'll write this one in the morning. Uh, Because it's like, it's not wrong. It's not a wrong observation. You're paying one 16 million. The other one's a veteran minimum. I get that. But at the same time, like one's effective in certain roles against certain players and uh, and the other isn't. Eubanks possesses a quickness that Nurkic physically can't match. He just Eubanks, doesn't have it. He, he can't. He can't have it. And that's why, again, pre the DA trade, I think we were all very excited because you were going to have Eubanks backing up DA. And that mm-hmm. buffer behind him would have been the best five behind him. And now you have Nurkic, who, as we've all noted, is a far less superior athlete than DeAndre Ayton was. DeAndre yeah. Ayton leaving he was the best player in that trade. We got parts and those parts are 
good short-term and long-term because you got a Grayson Allen out of it. And again, you got mm-hmm. contracts out of it that you could utilize perhaps at the trade deadline, as we mentioned before, uh, in trading for a piece that could help the team. But Drew Eubanks, he looked absolutely fantastic tonight, man. I think he's, um, and and again, I, we had this discussion last night, and I, I've been really, really impressed with Eubanks coming off the bench, particularly in matchups like this that, that just suit um, uh, and we, we may uh, look Vogel's known as a defensive coach. Maybe he needs to look at that because it's again, uh, well, it was both ends of the floor tonight for Eubanks against yeah. Chet. Chet was his least effective when Eubanks was on the floor. There was a substitution late. I think it was in the last quarter where Chet was on eight points. He had three rebounds. He wasn't having a great game. Mm-hmm. And in about a four minute stretch, he hit a couple of threes Got a couple of buckets inside. Nurk, he, I think he blocked Nurk. Might have got a steal off him. And then we had to bring Eubanks in to finish off the game. Isn't that sad? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, and and again, that goes to good coaching on the Thunder side to recognize, like, oh, shit, there's the pigeon. You know, there's Nurkic. And we know that that's going to happen. We know he's going to have good games. We know he's going to have games in which he's serviceable. And then we know he's going to have games like this where, again, his final stat line is three points and eight rebounds and one assist. You know, that's not fit. That's like just hanging on for dear life and hoping you can win the game. So, I don't know. It's another thing that we're going to have to kind of observe and report throughout this offseason. Offseason. During this season. (laughs) Another thing to take a look at during this season, obviously, is uh, the whole Josh Okogie thing. Josh Okogie got the start tonight because Eric Gordon and Devin Booker were both out with injury. He ends up scoring eight points, Gavin. All of them from the free throw line. Eight of eight from the free throw line. He was 0 of 3 from the field, 0 of 2 from beyond the arc, had two assists, or I'm sorry, two rebounds, one assist, one block, one turnover. Has Josh Okogie come back down to earth? Yeah, I got in trouble for this last night on our podcast because I said yes. Um, I Basically, I love Josh Okogie's um, hustle. I made myself the self-proclaimed president of the Josh Okogie Appreciation Society. That's right. Um, which I which I had to relinquish last night after I said that he was a liability on the floor and uh, shouldn't be getting minutes at the moment. And I truly believe that when an opposition side is saying, leave that guy all by himself on the three-point line um, because he can't shoot, and then he proceeds to shoot and brick um, three-point, three-pointer after three-pointer, the thing I did love about Akogi tonight was he didn't settle for the three-pointer and he did attack the basket and it did get him to the line eight times. Yes. Um, if he's on the floor, that's the role he has to play. He can't sit out there. And play. If Josh Akogi's shooting six to eight three-pointers a game for us, we're in trouble. If he's shooting three, I'm okay with that. I think what's what's happened, especially for us as Suns fans, is you got to go back to last year, right? So the very beginning of last year, he didn't really play much, right? I mean, the first uh, twenty games of the season, six and uh, or, or six point two minutes played, right? You know, didn't really play a bunch, and then the injuries started happening to the Suns, and 
Akogi got some playing time. And to his credit, he maximized it. This is a guy who came over from Minnesota, was shooting 29.1% in four seasons mm-hmm. with the Timberwolves. And through 44 games, the last 44 games of the season last year, which he started 25 of them, he averaged 9.7 points. He shot 36.7% from beyond the arc. And, and we're like, oh, shit. This is great. This is it's a player who possesses uh, defensive acuity, who's also serviceable from be, beyond the arc. He was like a true three and D guy. He, yeah. he was like a, he was like a Jafar finding Aladdin in the streets of Agrabah, right? He was a diamond in the rough. And then in the playoffs, he plummeted. And so far this season, he's plummeted even further uh, offensively. Is he somebody who you I, I recommend that the Suns roster absolutely because he brings a fuck shit up guy mentality and you always need that but the unfortunately due to his physical uh, limitations coupled with the fact that he is a zero on offense a fat zero on offense uh he's he's playing himself out of the rotation in my opinion he's somebody who should come you know again looking back he played about 20 minutes a game all that for for four years in minnesota that's kind of where we need him to go back to because he isn't a guy who should be playing anything more than that because of the sheer fact that he's a pigeon on offense, not on defense. Yep. And even on defense tonight, like he really wasn't shutting SGA down very much. So, I mean, it's, it's I agree with you. I like the fact that he was attacking the cylinder this time and not settling for the three point shot, but I'm worried that he was, what was attacking instead of shooting the three point shot because it shows his pure lack of confidence, which is justified. And with all yep. of that said, and you take a look at Kata Bates-Diop, who doesn't turn the ball over, who kind of makes the right plays, makes winning plays, you're we're kind of in this conundrum right now in which J.O. is probably going to see less playing time. Should he see less playing time? Yeah, I, look, I think, he, I think he should. And it's games like the game that Jordan Goodwin had today. And now, look, I... I will say on our pod last night, I called Jordan Goodwin um, Josh Akogi from Aldi. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's for, for you guys over there, it'd be Josh Akogi from Wish. Um, <laughs> but but offensively, Jordan Goodwin had an impact. And I know that um, I know that J.O. had his eight points from the line. But if we're not slowing down the opposition's best ball handler or best scorer, um, with a Kogi on defense, and don't get me wrong, I still think Josh Kogi is the best defender we have. But yes. if we're not slowing down a, an SGA by having Jo on the floor, why is he on the floor? Why aren't we playing Yuda, who can hit the three and spread the floor? Why aren't we playing? Um, and I know I, I'm not going to say Nasir Little because he's no good. Um, Chimetsi Metu. <laughs> Chimetsi Metu. No, no. Um, why aren't we playing a Yuda? Well, well, and when again, when Booker comes back, it's going to be an Eric Gordon or it's going to be a Grayson Allen. Now these guys are much better options in that role than what Josh Kogi is, and that's just where the cut and dry is going to come down to. And I think Kogi and Goodwin will both struggle for minutes when that happens. I agree, and I think that it's that's okay. It creates competition, and hopefully, it's one of those things in which. Uh, it can spark something back up in a Kogi like we saw last year. But unfortunately the track record says that a Kogi needs playing time to be effective. 
he needs to be have time on the floor because when he didn't have time on the floor, he wasn't that effective. He was shooting. I mean, the beginning of the season last year for the first 20 games, he was shooting like 7% from beyond the arc. What Akogi's doing right now, we've seen it before. And the playing time dipped because of it. And then obviously injuries would open up the door for him and he capitalized on it. We'll see in time. We will see in time. Yeah. You did mention uh, Jordan Goodwin. Where's my dog? Jordan Dogwin. There's my dog. Like everybody else outside of the fourth quarter, uh, Jordan Goodwin, really, really good game in this one. He was 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 7 from beyond the arc. He had 11 points coming off the bench, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, a block. Uh, he was all over the place. And again, it's just that, that that's it's a frustrating thing for me when you have a game in which you get 15 off the bench from Eubanks, you get 11 off the bench from Goodwin and you fucking lose. Like you hate wasting those games because yeah. you look at you look at the bench for the Thunder and they ended up scoring a total of, let's see, three, six, eight total points. And they still beat us by like, you know, by like 12, you know, Uh, it's just, it's crap, man. And Goodwin, I, again, the challenge I've had with Goodwin thus far is he is, he too is not a true point guard. He's not a great facilitator. Uh, He's somebody who plays hard defense. He can shoot the three ball a little bit and he can, he he can initiate some offense, but not a bunch. So again, here we kind of are stuck uh, and running in circles talking about the point guard position, but you know, is Jordan Goodwin, how involved do you see him moving forward? Because he's a guy who's making winning plays right now. Uh, as I said about Akogi, I, I just can't see how those two pick up a heck of a lot of minutes. If if Eric Gordon and Devin Booker are in this game, they're yeah. taking the minutes of those two players. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, that's 29 minutes for Goodwin. Uh, Akogi ended up playing 21. Yeah, that's easily consumed by Gordon and, and uh, Booker. So, you know, this is kind of where the Suns are at is just kind of hanging out in this purgatory. It's a, we're in, we're in, we're in the waiting where it's like when you're on an aircraft and they put you in a loop until you're allowed to land. Yes. Um, we're, we're kind of, we're in that loop waiting for the, the, the full health. Okay. Land the aircraft. Now we can go. Yeah, and they're like, we just want to land. We just want to get to our destination. Um, you know, and another thing that Frank Vogel said in the post-game press conference, I'm reading on Twitter as we kind of navigate this, is he said Bradley Beal tweaked his back in the first half and battled through it in the second half. You know, so we're going. We got, like you said, we got some days off before we play the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, a team that's playing very, very well right now. A team that has Anthony Edwards, who's an absolute dog on both ends of the floor. A team that has Rudy Gobert, uh, who's playing defensive player of the year type uh, level right now. And we don't <laughs> we're just, the, the, the plane just keeps circling, man. Like, will Booker be back? Will Beal be playing? Booker will be playing, then Beal won't be playing. There's Kevin Durant. Like, dude, can I ever play in a big three where we all fucking play? Like, what the actual fuck, man? Yeah, and it's certainly had, and I've seen some of the guys in the chat. I think Justin brought it up first. Um, that the fact that yeah, Bill had they said in the press conference Bill had hurt his back, and I thought, oh no, here we go again. It was probably my fault for mentioning it earlier that I didn't see either of them hurt themselves. <laughs> uh, we can blame you, I guess. So yeah, yeah, put it on. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I saw in the subred stakeout as I was hanging out in Oklahoma City tonight. 
the Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. I was hanging out in the OKC, and it's uh, it's a small town, you know, seven hundred thousand people. What's that? Bright. You had the sun. It was bright. You had the sunglasses on. Yeah. Yeah. There's no clouds there either. It's just like Phoenix, man. I literally, like yesterday, I drove eight hours through the state of Arizona. Right. I drove down to to Globe, up to Sholo, through Payson, back down, like this big loop. Right. Uh, I don't know if any of that means anything to you. But it was an eight-hour no. trip. It was like about a four hundred mile trip. I didn't see one fucking cloud yesterday. It was so depressing. <laughs> it was so depressing. <laughs> That's depressing, is it? We've been just waiting for the clouds to go away down here oh. for for ages. God, I would kill to see a cloud. I'd kill to just be like driving. It's like, ooh, this could be a storm up ahead. <laughs> Options. I have to think. I have to survive. I have to adapt. I have to overcome. None of that. It's just like, oh, it's hot. I have to shield my eyes. So uh, I was hanging out in Oklahoma City, and I always ask this question now. It's the thing I'm doing this season in the subred stakeouts. I'm asking the opposing fan base what they think of the Suns' new uniforms. And so far, it's been positive, and the trend continued tonight in Oklahoma City. Somebody said, beautiful, honestly. They're the best in the league alongside the Clippers' city uniforms. And I don't remember the Clippers' city uniforms, but I think the Clippers' city uniforms are pretty fucking ugly. So maybe they were talking shit. They're the ones that say clips, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're horrible. Damn. They're being facetious probably there in Oklahoma City. Those bastards. Uh, Somebody said, (laughs) I got played. Somebody said, Nurk must have a negative vertical. Nurk washed. Chet already played Nurk off the floor, beyond cooked. So they knew it. They knew. Oh, shit. It's Lissy. What's up? Listen, uh, there was, <laughs> it was there was Matt. There goes Matt. Uh, he's he's at the game. Um, he's like our resident. He heard the slander. Yeah, he's like, how dare you talk shit about Nurk? Uh, somebody said Yuta would be a great fit for our team. Just saying. To which somebody responded, "Would love him. He brings good vibes and threes. Every team that we play against will see Yuta Watanabe. And every, I've noticed that this is another trend. I've seen the subreddit." Anyone who sees you is like, damn, dude, he'd be perfect on our team. And we got him. We got All right, hold on. He's coming back. Matthew, what's up, guy? What's up, man? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Is that that a picture of Josh Akogi up there behind you? Tell him to take that shit down and not give him any minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, dude. Uh, Actually, I can hear you on my phone. So I think everybody heard that. Good. What's what's going on? Oh, is the pot almost over? I'm sub. I'm subbed and staking. Oh, my God. We're live. We're live. Gavin's actually live. live. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) that's my thing though. (laughs) So what? What was it like, Matthew? I know that you are kind of our resident uh, OKC stan. I saw that you were at the game beforehand, uh, taking a bunch of videos, and it wasn't of Suns. It was of all the OKC guys and Chet Holmgren and such. So yeah, I love those uh, guys. I love the Thunder. Yeah, <laughs> this like, is this guy out of here. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunder Jam Session podcast. Matthew even wore like Thunder Blue. Yeah, you know it's because you know where the media room is. It's right by the Thunder locker room too. Uh, so them coming out, I, li- I like taking those videos. But I had to check out Chet, man, and SGA. I don't get to see them ever. And Giddy, I had to record some videos. I like those guys, and I think the Suns could have won tonight, right? If we had Booker, we didn't turn the ball over. So. We're a better team than them, so I can still like them. We lost tonight, but we're still a better team eventually, I feel like. Um, so just let me like the Thunder. Let me enjoy my Thunder game. Okay. 
you're a thunder cunt. Uh, <laughs> is that, was that loud enough, or did all the little kids on the court behind you hear yeah. that? And, yeah, and... they're all being dismissed now. <laughs> they're taking off. Uh, so, so what are your takeaways from the game? Um, it's weird because going into the fourth, you feel like it's like they have it, right? I think it's a lot of the same where everyone's looking at the fourth quarter. That I know, I'm sure you talked about the two for 21 shooting. But no, it's just not like, at all. Not once. Two, <laughs> uh, it's like it kept bringing uh, they kept bringing it up to to all the uh, to Katie and Frank Vogel, you know. But Katie says he's like go with the flow kind of guy, where he's just like you know either it's a, it's a make or miss league. If they go in, we look good. They don't go in, we look bad. It looked really bad, obviously. Um, but uh, my takeaways basically are: I think it's just the turnovers still. I think the Suns go on runs where they're up by like ten points. You know, they look great. It's like, oh, here they are. And then they turn the ball over like twice. And then here come the Thunder. So they're so close to getting over that hump, I feel like, in these games where they can be up by 20. And they can just maybe take over these games. Uh, but, you know, just I think the bench did great, too. So I think the bench did really good in the first half. Obviously, the fourth quarter. Someone, po- someone posted a picture of the Olympic team from 93 and said if this is the Suns, this would be the Suns team. If they uh, if they played only the three quarters and not the fourth quarter, it's just so true, right now. So, but yeah, that just covers it basically. I feel like, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was telling Gav. Remember last year how the team would just get boat raced in the first quarter and you would just be miserable the whole game. At least this year we get three quarters of like enjoyment before we just go into a manic <laughs> yeah. manic depression. Yeah. It, you, you ever seen that movie uh, Saint Elmo's Fire? We're like Demi Moore just no. in the room with all the windows open and we're freezing cold and we're just shivering. Uh, I figured I mean, I you haven't never seen the movie though. Oh yeah. All check right, it out. Go, go, go home tonight and watch St. Elmo's right. Fire. It only came out I'll like 1986. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it's funny being at the game too. Cause you just feel it from the crowd. You feel like they have the game. Um, but then just those four, it gets worse and worse. So, um, I don't know. Do you have any other questions? I think Eubanks was really good tonight. I saw, I was watching some of the pod while they were in between interviews. Um, I saw you talk about Eubanks, but I thought Eubanks this is the best game he had. KD to talk about how they're trying to get him the ball more in the paint, which is fucking great because the guy can finish. He has some moves down there, so need to, they, we need to see more of that. And he talked about how he's better against Chet, obviously, than Nurk. I guess we definitely saw that. Um, but yeah, I think Eubanks was my jam star of the game. If you didn't get there yet, we haven't That's got there yet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off because I'm gonna take Dave home and well, real quick, cry with my sourdough bread. What's up? <laughs> real quick. What am I talking about right now? <laughs> oh, what did uh, what Vogel say about Beal? What did what Vogel say about Beal and his back tightness? Oh, so he tweaked it again. So he tweaked his back again. And you obviously saw he was kind of walking around like an old man there. I think the whole game he looked like very uncomfortable. But he said he tweaked it again, and uh, Katie did say good thing we had two days off, so hopefully he can rest it. Um, but it just seems like one of those things that's going to linger still. And they did ask him about Booker. Booker said that our Vogel said about Booker that we don't know yet about Wednesday, but hopefully he returns. But it's not; it's still up in the air. Of it just nothing it seems very positive right now. Very, very sad times over here at the Arena Footprint Center. Uh, well, thanks for reporting in. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the subreddit stakeout. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. There you go, coming live from the arena. 
Um, the last thing I got from subreddit, someone said, Oh my God, no, Giddy got crossed over by Ted Cruz. We cannot let Grayson fucking Allen be doing that on us. We need our, to get our shit together on defense. Fuck that guy. Everyone hates Grayson Allen. And that makes subreddit so much fun. <laughs> it makes it so much fun. All right. Jam star time. Jam star of the game. Jamsters reminder. If you're watching along live or another time, Hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, hit the little bell notification. And if you haven't, go over to the Aussie Suns fan podcast page on YouTube and, and subscribe and give them a thumbs up on all their videos too. Don't be a dick to my guest. Gavin's taking some time out of his day, which is a Monday, mind you, over there in Australia to be on the podcast. So the least you could do is go over to his channel and subscribe. Jeez. That, who do you think you are? That would be lovely. That would that be lovely. And do you know, do you know, I do did have to before we do get to Jamstar, I do have to say something. Every time you invite me on this show, it seems like I'm heading to New Zealand or in New Zealand because I think the last two episodes I was in New Zealand, I, one in the hotel with Matthew and yep. then once in whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I think it was not, your, not actually in the hotel uh, together. No, not in not in okay. the hotel. That's what it sounds um, like. And then the next one was uh, your 500th episode. I was in the airport. Yes. Um, and when I finish here, I'm going inside, getting changed, and going to the airport to fly to New Zealand again. So, why, why do you keep going to New Zealand for? Work. Yeah, right. You got hoes in different area codes, <laughs> Daddy. Well, I, of course, I do. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you the man. All right. Well, who, who are you giving your jam star to, Gavin? Uh, I am giving my jam start to Drew Eubanks uh, for this game. I thought he was fantastic today. And I am I honestly hope to see that they do start driving some more minutes his way um, in matchups, particularly matchups like this one. Who have we got next? Minnesota. He probably he might play extra minutes anyway, given the fact they've got the Twin Towers. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they'll navigate that. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it's Drew Eubanks, Matthew as well. He was the one guy who really uh, had some change of pace in this one. You could see Kevin Durant developing rapport with him and the way that he yeah, was absolutely. finding him and he was cutting in and like, that's something, you know, file that away uh, jamsters. Cause that's something that we will see in the future and that comfortability that they, and that chemistry, we talked about that. This team needs chemistry. You know, once drew Eubanks came in when they finally decided to bring him in, in the fourth quarter, it's like, oh, okay, uh, we looked a little better. We still look like shit. So Taking a look at what some of the jamsters uh, are saying, uh, I suppose Ber Burner gives it to Obama, it appears. So that's cool. Uh, John Tran gives it to Eubanks. Um, Eubanks from Michael Kolb as well. Uh, Michelle Obama, that is, from Espos Burner. SGA for Jamstar. No son deserves it from Jack M. Uh, anybody else? Let's see. Drew Eubanks from John Tran. Um, that's pretty much it. So... Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it goes in Warrior Shat Upon, though we die, the resistance lives on. So next up for the Phoenix Suns, Wednesday, 7 p.m., we are playing the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Timberwolves, a team that might surprise some people. This is It's funny. Uh, do you, you don't listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, do you? I do. I always listen to the Bill Simmons. Podcast. Really? Okay. So then, oh, this is, yeah. are, are you being facetious or are you are, are for real? No, no, religious. Yeah. No, okay, that's, cool. I, it's my, one of my mains. Okay, so here's what's funny about the Bill Simmons podcast. Last year, for the entire season, he shat on Minnesota. It was the dumbest trade ever. Why would you do that? All he did was give the Timberwolves fellatio for the past week 
uh, on how it's unstoppable. Why? Because Minnesota beat the Celtics, right? They beat the Celtics. Therefore, they're the Correct. greatest team ever, and nobody could ever be better than Minnesota. And they're geniuses, and they're so they're so smart. It's like it's like Forrest Gump talking to his dead wife Jenny's like, and she's so small. He's so smart, Jenny. That that's what Bill Simmons sounds like when he's talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it's it's correct to say it. It's just funny to see him flip flop. They're they're six and two, uh, third in the NBA or third in the Western Conference in record. They're first in the league in opposing points per game. They're first in the league in defensive rating, seventeenth in offensive rating. But this is a team that is going to give the Suns problems on Wednesday, I think, because this team in the Suns, they still don't know who they are offensively. We've seen that in the fourth quarter. Is this a win or a loss, Gav? I think it's a a lot of it depends on whether Kevin Booker plays. I, I can't believe how many times I've said that in this podcast, but it depends a, a lot on whether Devin Booker plays. But as it stands right now in the form that the Phoenix Suns are in, I, I just can't see how with the current squad and as particularly if Beal saw too, how we get around this. Uh, Anthony Edwards is flying. This Minnesota Timberwolves franchise is flying. They're playing really, really well. I hate the oversell for the performance of Rudy Gobert so far. I I don't see how he maintains that. Um, Yeah, I just don't think Rudy Gobert is that good, but that just might be me. Um, but Minnesota is playing well, and and you got to give the credit to Ant Edwards. Um, I, I think he's a he's a really really nice player. Um, he's he's great to watch, and it'll be interesting to see what we throw at him defensively, um, particularly if we have those breakdowns and you've got Gobert rolling to the hoop and nobody covering yeah. off. Um, and Cat always seems to hit about 15 threes every time he plays against us. This is true. I mean, remember that game where Cat went for 40 and Ant went for 40 a couple years ago? I mean, they get hot against us. I agree with you. I don't think Rudy Gobert is a great player. I do think he's a great regular season player, and that's going to be the challenge. You know, uh, you put him in the playoffs, you can play him right off the court, just like Nurk is going to get played off the court if we make the playoffs this year. Whoa, bad chat, foreshadowing. Uh, but th- <laughs> this could be a loss for the Suns, and this could be an 0-3 homestand this team could be what one in five by the end of this uh at home which is just uh, abysmal and something that matt ishbia definitely can't like so i'm actually going to go ahead and put my prediction and say that the suns are going to lose this game because i just don't see it right now and i hope that i'm wrong and i hope i'm pleasantly surprised come Wednesday. i'm going to put it down as a win only because we're going to do to rudy gobert what we did to michael porter jr in the playoffs a couple of seasons ago and we're just going to put him out there on an island one and after the other kd bill and book because book will be back and Beal's back will be fine. We're going to put Gobert on an island and make him try to defend these guys from the perimeter and everybody else is going to go hide in the corners. I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. So one thing I do want to talk about before we get out of here, obviously is the fact that you guys, uh, the Aussie Suns fan podcast is doing a Suns takeover over there in Australia. Uh, in fact, Boyd asked a little bit earlier, he says, Void, if we pay for your flights, Will you come to that watch party? And by we, I mean Gavin. If you guys want to fly me out to Australia for the watch party, I'll be there. That's a guarantee. I just like, he always tries to spend my money. <laughs> but tell us about this watch party and when it is. Yeah, so and, we've and, um, and what we, it is. Yeah, we've been working um, earlier. Well, it was probably last season. I had the had someone from the Suns reach out to me directly. Um, they said that they were really impressed by the amount of engagement from social media that they get from Australia. So shout out to all us Australian fans for for being engaged enough to to 
catch the eye of the franchise, I guess. Um, the new uh, head of marketing within the Suns, I've been speaking to him probably for about four or five months now. He's um, he's continued to be impressed. And he said that Matt Ishbia came in and said he wanted more international engagement, get it done. Um, so they nice. we've been working... We've been working with them to create a watch party or watch parties down here in Australia because we do have the fan base. Um, so on the 2nd of December, Australia time, I know the game's 1st of December for our American fans out there, but the Denver Nuggets game at at, uh, at Footprint, we will be doing a watch party in Melbourne. Um, we have some giveaways that have been sent down by the Suns, so we'll have um, some special stuff going on there. As part of that, we've, we're getting a signed Devon Booker basketball, so we're going to run a little bit of a competition down here because it's not something that we generally get down here in Australia, all the way on the other side of the world. Um, but it's just fantastic that uh, a NBA franchise reached out to us and is engaging at this level, so all credit to the Suns. But if anyone is listening and is in Melbourne at around that time, please make sure you come out and we're going to be there from uh, the Sporting Globe in Richmond from 12 p.m. Um, and we got a little note today that we may have a little cameo early from our old friend, Alan Big Sauce Williams, who nice. lives just up the road and, and is looking to come and drop in and make a cameo to say hello to the Suns fans. So pretty exciting for us. Um, Boyd, Nate and Hamo are all flying into Melbourne for it. Um, so it's going to be a great great day, that one. And then we've got multiple other watch parties that we've scheduled over the course of the remainder of this season. Yeah, make sure you try to stream some of that. I want to just like be in the corner on, a, on the screen like this. <laughs> I want to win. We, we, we are going to look at uh, streaming some of it, but the, the discussions on how, and I've got a call with the Sun social media team, but it looks like they may do some um, engagement on that in that game because it is a home game up on the big screen inside the inside Sweet. the arena. So if you're at the Nuggets games, you'll probably see us on the screen going that's, nuts. That's fantastic. Well, great job there with you guys. And again, if I win that Devin Booker ball, it would just be funny for them to ship it all the way to Australia. <laughs> then I win it. Yet they have to ship it all the way back. Just. 20 minutes from the stadium. So, uh, but that's exciting stuff. Super happy for you guys uh, and everything that you guys do over there with the Aussie Suns fans, uh, not only on your YouTube page, but on, you know, the Facebook engagement and, you know, we're international baby. And I love that Matt Ishby is like, get it done. He's awesome. You're awesome. And I appreciate you coming on this here podcast before you fly up to New Zealand. Uh, Somehow, some way, even though the Suns suck right now, Hanging out with your friends makes you smile, and it gets me past it. And this, this is my therapy. Like the shitty thing is, I'll go into work tomorrow, and somebody's like, "What's up with the suns?" I'm like, "Fuck, here I go again." I'm like, no, you, <laughs> you know, I gotta like, I, I'm like, just watch the pod. That's where I vet all my feelings, and I get out into the universe, and I'm gonna. I don't want to talk about it with anybody. So, well, uh, you should just in the office, just get a TV up and just play it on repeat. I so should. I should. We have TVs all through the bar. Just always have it on. There you go. It's just like, there it is. Avoid us saying the F word again. Um, <laughs> well, on that note, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Aussie Suns fans, yeah, tell them where to, where to follow you one more time. At Aussie Suns fans on Twitter. At Aussie Suns fans on YouTube. Yeah, check us out. And like and subscribe. There you go. See, look. Pro. So pro. We'll see you on Wednesday night after the Suns lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they'll, until then, go home and love your family and your fourth quarter.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.